Chapter Sixteen of The Shadow of a Sin by Bertha M. Clay. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Sixteen. Hyacinth was not long absent. She bathed her face in some cool, fragrant water, smiling to herself, the while at finding that Lady Vaughan could be sentimental thankful that the needful little scene was over and wondering shyly what this new and bewildering life would be like with adrian by her side as her acknowledged lover so happy she was ah so happy there was not one drawback not one cloud she rearranged the pretty lace dress and the green leaves and then tripped downstairs as fair a vision of youth beauty and happiness as ever gladdened the daylight just as she reached the salon door she dropped her handkerchief and stooping to pick it up she heard lady vaughan say do not tell hyacinth it will shock her so she must hear of it sir arthur returned better tell her yourself my dear wondering what they could be discussing she opened the door and saw a rather unusual tableau lady vaughan was still in her comfortable armchair she held a newspaper in her hands and sir arthur and adrian darcy were bending over her evidently deeply interested hyacinth's entrance seemed to put an end to their discussion adrian went up to her sir arthur took the paper from his lady's hand and began to read it for himself you will not refuse to sing for me to-night cynthia said adrian it is you know as lady vaughan says i will betroth the night will you give me that pleasure still wondering at what she had heard hyacinth complied with his request she played well and she had a magnificent well-trained voice she sung now some simple ballad telling of love that was never to die of faith that was never to change of happiness that was to last for ever and ever and as she sung the divine light of love played on her face and deep warm gratitude rose in her heart he thanked her he kissed the white hands that had touched the keys so deftly and then she heard sir arthur say again he cannot be guilty it is utterly impossible i cannot say i like the young fellow he seemed to be one of the careless reckless kind but rely upon it he is too much of a gentleman to be capable of such a brutal barbarous deed if he is innocent observed lady vaughan he will be released in our days justice is too sure and too careful to destroy an innocent man colonel lennox will never get over it such a blow will kill a proud man like him i pity his mother most said lady vaughan every word of this conversation had been heard by hyacinth and adrian she was looking over some music and he stood by her a strange vague numb sensation was gradually creeping over her she raised her eyes to her lover's face and they asked as plainly as eyes could speak what are they discussing a strange sad story he spoke in answer to the look for she had uttered no word lady vaughan heard him you will be grieved hyacinth she said but that you will be sure to hear of it sooner or later i would not tell you one word do you remember young claude lennox who was visiting his uncle 
He came over to the chase several times. I remember him. She replied, vaguely conscious of her own words, for a terrible dread was over her. She could have cried aloud in her anguish. What is it? Oh, what is it? Appearances are against him, certainly. Continued Lady Vaughan in her calm tone. Oh, would she never finish? But I cannot think him guilty. Guilty of what? Asked Hyacinth and the sound of her own voice frightened her as it left her rigid lips guilty of murder my dear it is a strange case it appears that the very day after we left the chase a dreadful murder was discovered at laybridge a woman was found cruelly murdered under a hedge in one of the fields near the station in the poor woman's clinched hand there was a handkerchief with the name claude lennox upon it on searching further, the police found his address, Claude Lennox, 200 Belgrave Square, written in pencil on a small folded piece of paper. The woman's name is supposed to be Anna Barrett. Circumstantial evidence is very strong against Claude. One of the porters at Laybridge Station swears that he saw him walk with a woman in the direction of the fields. A labouring man swears that he saw him returning alone at Oakton Park in the early dawn of the morning, and the Colonel's servants say he was absent from Oakton the whole night. Still, that may only be circumstantial evidence, said Sir Arthur. Though it is strongly against him, why should he kill a woman who was quite a stranger to him, as he solemnly swears she was? Who then was with him at the station? You see, three people swear to have noticed him leaving Laybridge Station with a woman whom none of them recognised. They might perhaps have continued the discussion, but a slight sound disturbed them, and looking round, they saw that Hyacinth had fallen to the floor. She had risen from her seat with a ghastly face and burning eyes. Her white lips had opened to say, It is not Claude who killed her, but her husband. She tried to utter the words, but her voice was mute, and then, with outstretched arms, she fell face foremost to the ground in a dead swoon. Adrian ran to her. He raised her. He looked in wondering alarm at the colourless face with its impress of dread and fear. "'It has frightened her almost to death,' he said. "'Did she know this Claude Lennox, Lady Vaughan?' "'Yes, very slightly. We met him once or twice at Oakton Park.' and he called at the chase. But I did not like him. I kept Hyacinth carefully out of his way. What can we do for her? He asked in a trembling voice. Nothing, said Lady Vaughan. Do not call the servants. They make such a fuss about everything of this kind. Let the fresh air blow over her. They raised her up and laid her upon the couch. Sir Arthur threw open the doors on to the conservatory, and opened the windows in that room also, to admit currents of fresh air. Lady Vaughan withdrew with noiseless step to another room for a glass of cool water. Adrian bent over the wholly unconscious form of his darling, his face almost as white as her own in his anxiety. Suddenly he remembered that he had acquired a slight knowledge of surgery in his university life, and drawing a lancet from his pocket, he made a slight incision in the beautiful snowy arm 
that lay so limp and lifeless upon his hand one or two drops of blood from the cut stained his fingers passionately he kissed the wound that he had made in his love but though a slight moan escaped her lips hyacinth did not yet move nor awaken from her swoon the old people returned and lady vaughan moistened the pallid brow and colourless lips again that moan came the girl moved and presently the white lips parted with a sigh and the eyes opened with a look of terror in them which adrian never forgot i am so frightened she said my darling cried adrian i am sorry you heard anything about it why need you be frightened i am shocked she said and the ghastly fear deepened in her eyes of course you are one so young so fair so gentle the very word murder is enough to terrify you then she lay perfectly still holding her lover's hand in hers looking at him with such wordless sorrow such unutterable woe in her face lady vaughan brought her a glass of wine she drank it hardly knowing what she did and then the elder lady bending over her kissed her face you must not be so sensitive my dear she said how will you get through life if you feel for everybody's trouble in this fashion of course we are all deeply grieved for the young man but he is nothing to us her words fell on dulled ears and an unconscious brain the girl still holding her lover's hand turned her face to the wall she had not been able to collect her thoughts they were in a state of chaos of all that crowded upon her that seemed to burn into her brain that crushed and crowded like living creatures around her one stood out clear distinct and terrible claude was innocent and no one in the world knew it but herself look where she would these words seemed to be before her in great red letters no one but myself she turned her white face suddenly to adrian darcy if they find him guilty she asked what will they do to him if he is guilty he will pay for the crime with his life but now cynthia you must not think so intently of this try to forget it for a little time forget it ah if he knew when should she forget again he is innocent and no one in the world knows it but myself and no one else can prove it over and over again she said the words it seemed to her that they had bewitched her as soon as she had finished them she began the terrible phrase over again then the darkness seemed to fall over her when she raised her eyes again adrian was reading to her she tried hard to grasp the sense of what he was saying she tried to understand the words but they were like a dull distant sound not one was plain or distinct to her i must be going mad she thought starting up in wild affright and then adrian's arms were encircling her he could feel the terrible beating of her heart he could see the awful fear in her face my dearest hyacinth he said gently you must not give way to this nervous fear you will do yourself harm he laid the fair young head on his breast he soothed and caressed her as he would have soothed a frightened child and then lady vaughan insisted that she was tired and must go to rest they did not notice that as she left the room she took with her the paper sir arthur had been reading end of chapter sixteen